You're listening to the Covenant original series, Let My People Go. Our passions can give the illusion of freedom while leading us deeper into the darkest dungeons of captivity. In today's teaching, we'll be examining how to distinguish between true freedom and fraudulent freedom. My name's Ryan. I'm the children's pastor here at Covenant. Um, this last week, we celebrated the 4th of July, and I was in the, in the southern state of Tennessee, and I got to see some extreme American ensembles. I saw American flag hats and shirts and shorts galore. We love to celebrate freedom, don't we? Something as Americans, we love to celebrate our freedom. Uh, the issue is that I think we carry this idea of the American freedom, the idea that I can do whatever I want to do, into our Christian culture. And as we go through this series, Let My People Go, and we're talking about freedom, I had to bring up the fact that there's a reason God gives us our freedom. I think too many people come to believe in Jesus and think, that's it. I am good for the rest of my life. I can do whatever I want to do from now on. I'm free in Christ. And that's not exactly how God talks about our freedom. In fact, Scripture tells us that we are given freedom for a specific purpose. And that's what I'm going to be diving into today from Romans 14. So if you want to join me, we're going to be reading Romans 14, verses 13 through 15. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Now, the start of this passage, Paul, the author of this letter, writes, let us not pass judgment on one another. So I'm going to give you some context. So the church at Rome, the city he's writing this to, was a church plant. It was a new church, and it was in the biggest city in the world at the time. And because of that, there was a lot of diversity in this church. There are people from all different kinds of backgrounds and races and cultures. There are people who believed in hundreds of gods. There are people who didn't believe in any god and believed in logic only. And then there were the Jewish Christians who had come to believe in Jesus. All of these people who'd come to put their faith in Jesus were part of this church at Rome. And with that, you can imagine the different backgrounds caused them to judge or be tempted to judge other people for the way they did things. You're doing it wrong. I'm used to doing it this way. My tradition says this or that. There's this great temptation to point the finger and judge one another in the church. Specifically for the Jews, the Jewish Christians had gone centuries obeying these ceremonial laws that God had given them in order to be clean. They were supposed to abstain from eating certain foods, and if they did that, they would be clean before God's eyes. But then you had the Gentile Christians now who had eaten these foods their entire lives, had no issue whatsoever consuming these foods, and these people are part of the same church now. So imagine if, if we had a sea life like this, right? People abstaining from certain foods, but some people being totally fine with it. And they're supposed to come under one roof and have a meal together. You can imagine there'd be some conflict. There'd be some judgment. And that's exactly why Paul says, Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now, there's a number of reasons why you get mad and angry at people and want to judge your brother, but the kind of issue that Paul is talking about here 
is an issue of the conscience. Now, a conscience issue is when someone believes that what they are doing, something they do or something maybe they don't do, will please the Lord. They're convinced in their mind that by doing this certain thing or by not doing this thing, I'm going to be pleasing unto the Lord. So for the Jewish Christians, it was abstaining from this certain kind of food. They're going to abstain from that. And they believed if they gave into this food, if they ate this kind of food, they would displease the Lord. They would be unclean in the Lord's sight. So that's an example of what the Jews viewed in their conscience as pleasing to the Lord. But let me give you an example from my own life. And you all might be tempted to judge me for this, but you can't since we just read that we're not to pass judgment on others. So I used to listen to rap music, and definitely not the clean variety of rap music. This is before I came to walk with Jesus, before I really knew the Lord. I thought I was cool stuff. I had the sub in my truck. I was that guy. When I came to know Jesus, when I came to start walking with the Lord, right, I had this issue. I, I knew that this music that I was listening to, it was vulgar, it was angry, it just gave me a different perception of the world than I believed God would have me look at. And so I, I stopped listening to rap music because I believed in my heart that I can't listen to this type of music and walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. So I viewed rap music as unclean. And that's what my conscience felt. It was unclean to listen to this type of music. So years later, when did you know it, my friends, my Christian group of friends started listening to this Christian rap artist. And all of a sudden I was like put in a spot. I was like, man, I have viewed rap music as unclean for, for years. And now all my friends are listening to it. So I, I just felt so uneasy. And that's an example of that was my conscience. Not that rap music in itself was sinful, but I was convinced that it wasn't pleasing to the Lord. Now, I have since grown in my conscience and grown to actually appreciate Christian rap, but that's an example of something I really believed for a time was unpleasing for the Lord. A little earlier in Romans, in verses 5 to 7 of chapter 14, listen to what Paul says. He says, Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So there were people who, who were doing different things, and Paul basically, he's saying, you know what, if your goal is to please the Lord, and you're not in sin, obviously, then you're good. You, you cannot listen, I mean, you don't have to listen to rap music if you believe that that's pleasing to the Lord. That's fine. His point is that as Christians, we should be convinced that everything we're doing is pleasing to the Lord. We should be fully convinced in our own mind that what we are doing, the things we are doing every day, are pleasing to the Lord. And even if you're convinced, there's still going to be other people who completely disagree with you. But you know what? That's okay. As long as it doesn't cause judgment, which Paul was addressing here. People were tempted to judge. And that's why he says, let us not pass judgment or cause them to stumble. And he gives reasoning for this. Now listen to Paul's reasoning for not passing judgment. First, he reminds us of the freedom that we have in Christ. In verse 14, he says, I know and am persuaded that in the Lord Jesus, nothing is unclean in itself. Paul believes that nothing is unclean for him any longer. Now, why is this? All of those old ceremonial laws that the Jewish Christians were following, that they were living out for centuries, right? The things that they believed would make them clean before the Lord, 
When Jesus came, Jesus said, I have not come to abolish or get rid of these things. No, I've come to fulfill them. So in all the ways that you were supposed to be clean, I have perfectly lived those out in my life. I have perfectly fulfilled all of these laws about being clean and pleasing to the Lord. In fact, I am spotless before the Lord. Jesus has fulfilled those. So it's not a matter of if I eat certain foods, that can't make me dirty anymore. Jesus has earned the perfect, spotless, uncleanliness before the Lord. And by faith in him, he says, I can have that life. If I put my faith in him, he says, you can have this life, my life, my perfect life of obedience. I will give you that. And I will take from you your sinful life, the way that you have failed or fallen short of every single one of these laws and requirements. So we are doubly free in Christ. We are free from the condemnation and the burden of our sins. Jesus takes that off of us. We no longer have to carry that. And we are free from trying to earn anything with the Lord. It's no longer a matter of, I need to accomplish this or get to this certain point before I really can start walking with the Lord. No, that's what Jesus freed us from. He frees us from those things to enjoy the Lord. I know that's such a struggle for us as Americans. We want to accomplish something. We want to feel like we have to earn something. I want to be good enough for God. The truth is you're never going to be good enough. All of us are going to fall short. The good news wouldn't be good news unless part of it was we are sinful. And the other part of it was that somebody has lived the perfect life for us. So with both of those, we are free to enjoy the Lord and worship him. Now, that's what we're, we're free in. We're free in Christ. But now Paul tells us, okay, so how do we use this freedom, right? Nothing's unclean for him anymore. It's not a matter of abstaining from certain foods or eating certain things. So what do I use that freedom for? He says, nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean if anyone thinks it is unclean. If your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. So even though I'm convinced that it's not a matter of me keeping these ceremonies anymore, these religious actions, it's not a matter of that that earns my righteousness with God, some of my brothers and sisters still struggle with that. Some of my, my family members now in the body of Christ still believe that they're not supposed to eat these foods, and they feel weird in their conscience when they're around it. And so do I, as someone who's free from these things, and I'm convinced that I'm free to eat whatever I want to, do I force that on my weaker brother or sister? No, not at all. Paul says, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. That is the goal of our freedom, to walk in love, to love other people. We are free from loving ourselves. What we're tempted to do and, and getting the, the selfishness of our way all the time. We're free from that to love other people. Let, just listen to these verses. Philippians 2. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then a little earlier in Romans 12, Paul says, Consider others or prefer others better than yourself. We're supposed to consider other people above us. Here's another verse. Listen to Galatians 5, verse 13 and 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We don't use our freedom to pursue after things for ourselves. That's what Christ freed us from. We are free to love other people. Here, here's the truth about self-centeredness. All right, When we're focused on ourselves, even in, in a religious context, even in the Christian culture, when we're focused on ourselves, when we think we can earn something with God, the end result is self. I'm just trying to make myself good enough to get to God. So I'm thinking about myself. Even if I condemn myself and say, I've fallen short, woe is me. And I stay there. I stay in this condemning state. I'm still thinking about myself. And that's what Christ frees us from. He doubly frees us from that condemnation and from trying to earn anything with the Lord. So we no longer have to think about ourselves all the time. We are free to get our minds off of ourselves. You're good in, the, in God's eyes. You're good. You don't have to earn anything. The truth is slavery is self-seeking. When we're seeking after things with ourself as the end result, we're slaves. Because I know all of you have experienced this. At some point in your life, you said, if only I get to this point, if only I get this thing, then I'll be good, right? And then you get that thing, and all of a sudden, there's a bunch of new things that you need to get after that, right? I'm not good anymore. I'm still discontent. I don't know why. It's this endless pursuit of things in this world that never really satisfies you. And the truth is, if you're only focused on yourself and yourself is the ends, you're in slavery. You're in slavery. That's what Christ has freed us from. The self-seekingness, Christ has freed us from that. Jesus is a treasure, okay? And when we see him as a treasure, we are filled to the fullness of Christ. We are filled because we know Jesus has lived all of these things out, all these ways that I've been trying to earn something or, or condemn myself. He has carried all of that upon himself, right? So I'm free. So now I can get my mind off of myself. I can stop thinking about myself so much. Freedom is fullness in Christ. I want to give you two examples of fake or fraudulent freedoms that I see in the American culture that are so dangerous. They sound so good when you talk about them, but they're so dangerous. And I think a lot of Americans fall into these two fake freedoms. First, some people come to know Christ, come to think, I'm free in Christ, and then live the life that they want to live without considering Christ even a big part of it. Right? They come to believe in Jesus only as a part of their perfect life. It's this holistic view of life that I need to be good physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, financially, in my job, with my friendships. You know, It sounds so good. Yes, I want to be good in all those things. And there's truth in that. That's, that's what's so dangerous about it. There's truth that hooks you, right? But then it distorts freedom. And it turns all these things into ways that you need to accomplish things for yourself. And the end, re end result is always you trying to make much of yourself. I'm trying to get these things so I can have the perfect life. And Jesus is one small part of me worshiping myself. That's not freedom. You are using Christ to make yourself look good. That is not freedom. You know, of all people who had the right 
to talk about this holistic view of life and brag about the fact that they had everything that there was to have. It was Paul, the writer of, of Romans. He writes in another, another book, Philippians 3, he talks about his resume. All right, listen to this. He says, I am born of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So I'm the cream of the crop. All right, my family, my heritage, cream of the crop. A Hebrew of Hebrews, I'm a man's man. In regard to the law, he says, I'm a Pharisee. I know it forwards and backwards. As for zeal, as for my passion, I was persecuting the church. That's how passionate I am about it. As for legalistic righteousness, as for following these commands, flawless. This is Paul's resume. He says, I I have it. I have the prestige, the family, the job, the knowledge, the passion. I have it all. Do you know what he says right after that? He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, from doing all these things, but through the righteousness that comes through faith. Paul says, all of these things that were adding up to my perfect life, I consider loss compared to or because of Jesus. That is freedom. That's the treasure we have in Christ. And until we get there, if Jesus is only a means for our perfect little life, we are not truly free. It's a fake freedom. The second fake freedom, and I want to say this is a new trend, but honestly it's been around since the time of Jesus, is that when I come to believe in Jesus, I really do have a lot of liberties as a Christian because I believe these things can't make me unclean outside of me anymore, right? So I believe I can eat whatever I want to eat and drink whatever I want to drink and watch whatever I want to watch, do whatever I want to do, because nothing outside of me can make me unclean. I can binge watch Netflix for 24 hours. I have the freedom in Christ to do that. And there's truth in that. See, here's the dangerous part. There's truth in that. You are free in Christ to do those things. But how often do those things lead us to an opportunity to go back to this old lifestyle of self-seeking? How often do we use those things to please ourselves as the end result and our mind goes back to ourself and what makes us feel satisfied from this world? How often can those things actually tempt other people back into a lifestyle of sin just because you're giving into it and you're expressing your freedom and you're forcing your freedoms on someone else? They might feel uneasy about it and they're like, I'm not sure. You can cause grief to your brother. You can cause them to fall back into sin. That's not freedom. That's not using your freedom to love others. You're using your freedom in that instance to love self. And that is why Christ has freed us. So what's the litmus test? I thought of three questions that I think are really good in processing through this idea of how am I using my freedom to love and serve other people? So here's the first question. Am I using my freedom on myself or to love others? Am I using my freedom to love myself or to love others? One way that's really easy to recognize if you're doing this, do you know what other people around you need? Do you know how they feel loved? Do you know what your spouse needs to feel loved? Do you know what your children need? Do you know what your sea life needs? 
What are the needs in the immediate people around you or in this body covenant? Do you even know? Do you take the time to get to know somebody? Hey, you're working on something. Can I help you? Can I serve you in that? Hey, you just need to talk and process through a big decision. You don't know what to do in this, in this fork in the road. I want to sit down. I just want to process. I just want to listen. I want to lend an ear. How can you love and serve other people? Are you using your freedom that way? I know how easy it is to get caught up in the mundane things in life and how easily you just go through this checklist of all the things you need to accomplish that day, right? And how easily a person can be an obstacle. They become obstacles in the way of our checklist, right? So I'm not going to stop and spend time with you because I have things to do, things to get to. No, we, we sacrifice for the sake of people. We use our freedom to love others. Second, you can ask yourself, am I willing to give this up if it causes another person to stumble? Is my first reaction to somebody who does something a little bit differently than me, man, you are weak for not having the level of freedom that I have. You need to get on board with where I'm at. Is that, do I get defensive and say, no, I'm not letting go of this. You need to get to where I'm at. I have the true freedom. You're, you're still weak. Do I force my view on that brother? No. That's what Paul says. You're no longer walking in love. You're causing grief to your brother. One example from today is bathing suits. I know it's the summer, and I've seen girls post. You know, I'm going to wear what I want to wear, and if a guy has an issue with that, that's his problem. He needs to look somewhere else. He needs to work on his own life, right? I see that freedom, and though it's true, though it's true, you can wear what you want to wear, you're using that freedom to indulge in self. It pains me because you're not using it to serve and love and care for your brother. Consider them how to not make them stumble. That's a small example, but it's things like this we need to think about. How do we use our freedom to love and serve other people? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.13, he says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again lest I make my brother stumble. One of the guys on the way out today said, I'm not giving up meat for anybody. So, are you willing to give up something if it causes your brother to stumble? Uh, the other test, a few verses earlier in Romans, Paul says in Romans 14, 10 through 12, he says, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Here's the test. Think about the day that you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Picture yourself standing before the Lord on that day and having to look back at your life and give an account. How have I used all of these gifts and blessings and talents, my personality, my money? How have I used these things in my freedom in Christ to love and serve you and to love and serve other people. I pray on that day we are not ashamed before the Lord. We don't look back on our life and just watch ourselves spending time and money and all of our resources on ourselves. I pray that we can look to the Lord and say, Father, I, I have used what you have given me. I have used it to the best of my ability to love and serve other people. I pray that's what we can say when we stand before God on that day.
And I pray you think about that. You, you think through your life. How am I spending my time? How would I give an account of that to the Lord? I pray that that just gives you a gut check to ask yourself how you're using your freedom. I long on that day for the Lord to look down and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.